Hey y'all, hey, what's up? It's your girl, Jamee Jackson. Welcome back to the Blonde Misfit Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome, baby. I love guests. Y'all hear all that sound in the background? Why is it that whenever you want to start recording and you just want to go to your secret place with the most heavenly high that everybody and their mama want to pull out the stops and want to start backing up cars, want to start yelling at their cats, doing something. It's frustrating. Um, but whatever, we're going to keep it going. Um, what was I saying? All oh, right, I was greeting the guests. Um, if this is your first time, welcome. We love guests around here. We love visitors in the house of the misfits. But don't be a stranger. Um, don't be a stranger at all. Go on and subscribe. Hit that button so you can make sure that you stay tuned on all the podcasts. Go on and binge. Just go back. Get some popcorn, some wine, and just listen to all the other episodes. There aren't that many, but there's enough to keep you preoccupied. And you know we love to binge around here. Um, And if this is not your first time, welcome back. I love y'all. I'm so happy to be around you all again in virtual blessings, okay, where two or three are gathered in his name. He is there also. Hello, amen. But we're not all virtually, we're not uh, physically gathering at this point because, um, no, people are still getting COVID. People are still sick. Um, This is the round of the time of year when everybody's allergies, myself included, start wilding. So I'm just going to stay in my house and with my ministry and with my people. But I love y'all. I love y'all. And even if you are not new, if you have not subscribed yet, baby, what is you doing? Tell me, come sit on my lap and tell me what, what plagues your heart. What is going on? Make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you're sharing the podcast with other people and leave us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts if that's where you're listening. It helps us get found by other people who are looking for dope black podcasts. And just this week, we actually celebrated International Podcast Day. So I gave a shout out to my baby, the Blonde Misfit, because we're doing great. And I'm so proud because I really still have yet to understand why any of y'all want to hear me talk. (laughs) So today's episode, I feel, you know what? I always say, I I want to write down how many times I tell y'all it's going to be a quick episode and then how often that quickness really is. Because I always be saying it because in my heart, I think it's going to be quick, but then I start going on rants and whatnot. Um, But today's episode, I really wanted to focus it around fashion month. Um, For many of you who are fashion heads, you all know that we were still going to have fashion month. It always kicks off in New York and always ends in Paris. Um, But then for those of you who are super into the industry, or maybe you also work in the industry, you also know that um, there was a big moment where we were trying to figure out, are we even going to have fashion month? Because, you know, the world's on fire right now. Do we really want to see pretty clothes? And everybody was talking about it. Glossy Plus was talking about Digiday, uh, the business of fashion, obviously, all of your major media houses. And the consensus kind of came to the fact that, like, you know, as the world was kind of becoming a little bit more safe, we would try it. Okay, we would pick up and go and that people would have digital experiences. And so what a lot of designers actually did was I'm sure they either brought their models in house and they shot in a studio or they shot on like an empty runway with like no audience members or they just, I don't know, did some weird things like like um, Machino and kind of just like used puppets or something. But we gonna get into that, too. 
So I wanted to talk a little bit to you guys about my personal thoughts on Fashion Month. Um, some brands that I thought did really well that obviously garnered some attention and sort of like where this leads us for next season. And so first, I was really apprehensive about Fashion Month happening. I was really happy in a way that the digital experience lended itself to the conversation of why these don't have to happen one so frequently and two at the mass production at which they at which they happen uh for people like me who are going to shows and then writing show reviews and covering things on social and covering on digital and um then networking and going to events and all that stuff fashion month is extremely exhausting and honestly, I feel like you guys love my candidness about Fashion Month because I will show you all the pretty glamorous photos, but I also keep it a stack and a half on all the BS that I'm going through on the back end. I usually always get sick because I'm up late. I'm up late and then I'm up early. Wait, is that right? Yeah, I'm up late at night and then I'm up early in the morning to get to shows and stuff like that. Still working a job. Okay, I don't know who might have told y'all, but um, unfortunately, uh, well, let me not say unfortunately, I'm blessed to have a job. Um, at the moment, I still work for someone else as well as work for myself full time. So it's a lot to juggle, um, multiple hats, multiple babies, multiple um, heavy things, but I do it because I love it. And I do it because it's important to me to be able to show you all both the highlights as well as everything that goes into making that because there's too many people right now who are prancing around still really having people out here believe that fashion is just this easy sweet beautiful thing that has no real sacrifice involved and so i was really excited at knowing that things were not going to be physical this season um, it takes the pressure off of a lot of people like me who are going to be running around, but it also democratizes fashion, right? So fashion is not ever going to be fully democratic. That's not how fashion works, it's especially not how luxury um, and mastige and like higher, higher price points uh, work. You know, there's mass market that is available and accessible to everybody. And then the higher up you go in money, the more exclusive it gets because only a certain amount of people can get can buy into that. I know everyone talks all about like, oh, like equality, equality, equality in fashion. But the reality is if anyone could just buy a Chanel bag, Chanel would not be Chanel. And that is sort of why this conversation around Telfar has been really interesting. But if you have paid attention, Telfar has kept his bag accessible, but with the recent launch of things like the like his uh his do rag and also with the shoes, they are at much more um questionable price points, which I'm not mad at. Get your coin. But I do want people to understand that a brand has to, at some point, if they want to enter into that luxury market or be able to make that money to be able to call themselves a luxury or heritage brand, there has to come up, become a coin and level of accessibility that, you know, comes with it. Anyone can buy a Telfar bag. That is the point. It's supposed to be accessible, but not everyone has $500 to drop on some Telfar loafers. So fashion has not always been nor will it ever i think be fully democratic i do believe that there should be some levels of separation because it helps you categorize what type of fashion you're talking about and who it's applicable to 
But I was really excited about the fact that for the first time, um, people who are not editors, who are not stylists, who are not influencers, who are not in the in the in the thick of the industry, would have an opportunity to look and see what's happening in the fashion realm. Whether it was streaming, it was looking on social media, whether it was external um, video content that would be coming out to showcase to people, it was a little bit more accessible. And I think that fashion can continue to do that. Um, you know, the, the reasons for a fashion show originally were for editors and stylists and buyers to attend to see what was happening for the next season so that you could plan it out in your magazine or you could look at the looks and, and, and sketch, well, sketch and um, buy them out for your store or know what you want to potentially put your client in. That is not what the fashion shows of today are anymore. You know, you have a lot of influencers and you have a lot of celebrities who hold no real merit in the fashion industry, but because they have a large following, they're able to get in, sit front row. It looks good for the brand. It looks great for the designer, yada, 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 chitty, chitty, bang, bang. And then, you know, we have what we have here. That was what I was excited about. Now, what I was concerned about was the execution because it has been an interesting feeling for me that fashion has over the last couple of seasons especially really had this huge spotlight on it and it it's unique or if it's diverse or if it's not just diverse as in the models but diverse as in like are you actually presenting anything out here into the world that we haven't seen before or anything out here that we can get excited about and i would say the majority of designers have not done that but the challenge was going to be, can you articulate your brand story or your brand vision visually for people to consume? Because sitting in fat in a fashion show, you know, at a fashion show is an experience. You get to see the models walk, you get to hear the music, you get to be around camaraderie of other people. This isn't something that is exclusive to fashion. It's the same feeling you feel, I think, when you go to the movie theater, you go to the amusement park or anywhere else where it's a shared experience with others. It's not solely an experience just for you. And there are a lot of parts that play into the success of that thing popping off. So would brands be able to articulate their vision simply based on the visual? The good news is I do feel like a lot of brands stepped up to the plates. I do feel that quite a few brands um, tried to figure out, okay, how do I tell this story in a unique and meaningful way? And I was pleasantly surprised. Um, for New York, I wasn't as surprised uh, just simply because New York is also never my my top show. You know, we love we love American brands, yes, but I really feel like a lot of the power and stamina starts to get over when you start looking at these more heritage and, and higher up legacy and even luxury brands that are predominant in Milan and Paris. I do feel like there were a lot of really interesting looks. So I want to talk about a couple of um, brands that I just felt really did a really cute or innovative rather um, presentation for themselves. So first I want to start with the most recent shows. Um, and then that was like Ralph and Russo. I also loved Rick Owens, Emmanuel Ungaro, like both, all three of these brands really encapsulated a really cute 
clean aesthetic. If you look at their photos, which you can look at all of them, well, if you go right here on the blondemisfit.com and everything is down in the description box below. Yes, I am plugging myself because we're covering the show reviews. Um, you can also see that the everything from the backdrop to the models to the selection of the clothing and the draping really was intentional. I loved Acne Studios and how like they also uh, made sure that all of the models were walking in the same direction so that you could really see the movement of clothing. I think that sometimes clothing can be very static if you don't offer any movement. And since we weren't able to get that movement from, um, oh, because of the fact that like where we're, we weren't actually presently there, I thought that that was really great. Another brand that did that very well was Dries Van Noten. They had the models moving and it almost looked like some of them were out in the field, but then others were also in maybe uh, like an encapsulated studio with a strobe light. And I thought that that was so cute and unique to the brand. Obviously, Dries Van Noten is one of my favorite brands just because they're very high in color and they always are just sort of pushing a boundary of like, mixed prints and uh, color aesthetics. And I just think that that is just beautiful. Some brands that I thought were interesting included Dior. Um, Dior just doesn't do it for me anymore. And I think that Dior has just not been doing it for a lot of people. It was an interesting take on like what I perceived to be sort of like, um, almost it was it was weird it was like on the one hand I saw like animal motifs and prints and the color and color garments that might mirror something like uh, a Moroccan or like northern Africa vibe but then it was also just it just felt very flat and it wasn't just necessarily the fact that we weren't around to see it it just truly felt flat. Wales Bonner did an amazing job of casting a predominantly black cast. I loved that they had the really expert tailoring that blended the world of um, streetwear, but also the preppy vibes that the brand has been really well known for. They did uh, it, their collection of predominantly featured men, but I could totally see how all of these, how all of the outfits could be interpreted also for women. I thought that the, uh, there's a one look in here, which is like a, a pink or a neoprene pink and cream tracksuits that had like a little golfer, bo golfer boys hat. I thought that was really unique. And I thought that that was kind of cute, very Englishy, very, <laughs> I know that's not a word, but very Englishy, very unique. And just the way in which the execution was done. I loved it. Another brand that I absolutely could not get enough of, oh my gosh, was Emporio Armani. Now this is different than Armani Privé. Um, Armani, Armani actually showed twice this season, but um, Emporio is just like that sexy, like minimalistic but luxury vibe. I love that they shot sort of right in front of what looks to be like an apartment complex or something like that. It was very clean, very minimalist. You saw a lot of colors of like tans and blues and grays. 
and um what's that color it's like a champagne like almost like a champagne you only saw a few very uh scalloped silhouettes everything else seemed to be very clean very minimalist i love it because i really think that it looks like luxury i just think it looks expensive and it's just a, something that i would just want to see someone in i could totally see and i i think for me the strong measurement of a brand is if you can see a multitude of people wearing it right so for Emporio Armani I can see someone like um uh like a Jessica Chastain wearing it but I also can see Solange wearing it I just feel like there's just so much to work with with that brand that the sky is the limit and you just have any and everything that you can possibly do MSGM also had a really eclectic line. It was filled with colors. It reminded me of like uh, an updated take on 70s, not necessarily because of like a discotheque, but just because of the vibrancy. You had hot pinks, oranges, yellows, greens. You had some sculptured looks, some interesting. Uh, there's this one look that I, it's it's almost like a, uh, a stretchy like bandage belt, but it's placed around the shoulders. I just thought that it was really cute and honestly as someone who is a huge fan of color I just thought that that was a unique way for them to sort of introduce a little bit of color and nuance into their collection. Valentino obviously always gets a top nod from me. I cannot ever say enough good things about Valentino. It's just the tailoring it's just the looks it's just the attention to color spectrum you know i think that valentino is one of the most diverse brands you can get right now where the girl who loves a statement black dress can find so many options and the versus the girl who loves an oversized button down or an exaggerated uh like muumu style print and dress can also find so many things. I felt like the this this season was a little bit more muted than normal, but they still came out the gate with sparkles and shines. They had quite a few uh, remakes of what a little black dress or a little white dress could look like. And of course, what they always do is they kind of move from sort of like more simplistic and basic silhouettes to then getting into the more extravagant realms and definitely you saw that we had some beautiful fuchsia colored like one-off shoulder dresses some sheer oranges and pinks and lilacs and yellows i just thought it was absolutely gorgeous it wasn't my favorite collection to date but considering the fact that you know the world is currently in a global health crisis i think that what they were able to present is still uh, a wonderful take on how strong the brand actually is and just how resonant it is with like its community and with all of us. Now to get into Machino, 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 however y'all want to say it, um, they were one of the most talked about shows for the season because they actually worked and made all of the models puppets including all of the spectators. It's really a cool sight to behold, I will say. And I think that it was a really unique and fun way to play up on the Machina brand, which is very, which is known for its very colorful and like unique take on fashion. The only thing I will say 
is that I do know that Jeremy Scott did get in some hot water about uh, using puppets because um, of the fact that someone else came out and also said that they did it first. <laughs> and I am not someone who necessarily feels like, oh my gosh, I need to figure out who is doing what, how they're saying what, yada, yada, yada. But I will say that there were some things that I thought were really cool. Um, the styles were sported by Jim Henson Creations and they had everyone from the models and attendees as puppets. They even had little puppets who looked like Anna Wintour and Edward Enninful, which I thought were cool, unique, kind of creepy, but still kind of cool. <laughs> I personally feel like it's one of those things that, you know, if you can't necessarily prove that you are the one who started a trend, it's really difficult for you to sort of say like, hey, you stole from me, especially when it's a larger platform like Machino. But what I will say is that Jeremy Scott has had a history in the past of feel of what many people have felt to say to be appropriative or to pick off of um, black and gay and queer culture with its bright colors and it's really kind of like edgy urban streetwear vibe. I personally am like thinking to myself at this point, everyone's stealing from everyone or so it feels. <laughs> and I thought it was unique. I thought it was unique and it was commendable. I just hope that if it really is true that he really did take away from the puppeteer uh, the vibe, then he will at some point really be able to come forth and take accountability for that and maybe hopefully reconcile that at a later time. I'm sorry that I'm blanking right now on who the puppeteer is, but I will link that information down in the description box for you as well if you want to read up more about it. So the last brand that I will talk about, again, I told you guys I'm not focusing that much on New York. Um, but you can obviously see all of the show collections on the Blonde Misfits and also on the Blonde Misfit pod, our Instagram focused around the podcast, but also everything on the site. The last show I want to talk about is Versace, which also garnered some tension because they sent down three plus size models. Um, and that was the first in the brand's history. Versace has been around for way too long and this has been long overdue. But I want to also say that I really liked the actual collection. Versace is known for its very bright, vibrant, kind of gaudy, but high fashion, gaudy looks and textures and prints. I love the fact that they kind of did everything from just like a simple black silhouette, but with cutouts inside. So then obviously getting into your more vibrant colors where they paired like a pink pink uh, blazer with oversized blue pants or a oversized blue blazer with a green undertop and then a pink pants. I thought it was really unique and I love that they stuck to a strong color palette. One thing you want to do I think when you play with color is that you don't want to get too crazy where you feel like you're just throwing out every single color out onto the mat and then trying to figure out okay so what do I do with all these pieces I think you have to stick to a silhouette a couple of shades or a couple of color tones and really commit to that and I think that 
Versace does an amazing job of that. I can see these pieces being on so many different celebrities or nuanced in many different ways. But I also really am thankful that they really stepped out and challenged themselves to put out plus size models. Now, to me, I'm not gonna celebrate a brand putting out three models because what is three? You know, even in Milan and Paris and London and Europe and other parts of the world, there is still this preconceived notion that plus size is a certain size. Like, you know, for us in America, it's usually they think a size 12 and up, even though the standard US woman is now a size 16. And I just want us to kind of dead that conversation. We should not be applauding or praising or seeing this as so revolutionary when a brand puts out three models who are not sample size. But I can understand why people felt really excited about it. Hopefully this is a new turning point for the brand. Hopefully this is a new turning point for the industry as we continue to see these larger, more legacy, more high profile brands really step into the plate I like stepping step into the plate, step up to the plate and really try to own what they were, um, what they've been talking about for the longest, which is brand inclusivity and people inclusivity. I think that it's great that we are starting the conversation with some of these high profile brands, but I don't want this to be the moment where we think, okay, we've done enough. Now we're going to go back to not hiring people of color, not having black models. And if we do, they have to be an aesthetic, a, a certain aesthetic to be prosperous as a black model or a Latina model or an Asian model or that they have to be a certain size. No, no, no. I'm happy that Versace did it. I'm happy that they got the praise for it. But I also want us to be aware that there are other brands that have been doing this. 11 Honore, you have Chromat, you have Fenty. These are brands that have been encapsulated. Oh, Christian Siriano, you have um, Brandon Maxwell. You have brands that have been, been doing the work. And I want them to get just as much shine as these brands that are now stepping into it. Like, yes, still give them their flowers but I'm not gonna give you a whole bouquet. I'm gonna give you like two flowers, okay? Or three, since you sent down three models. The last person I want to uh, shout out, and it's not even really about the clothes, although, although the clothes are gorgeous as well, is Prada. This was the first season that Rolf Simmons um, partnered with Prada and is now co, um, co-creative director for the line. I think that the clothes and the silhouette just ooze of Roth's touch, but it still has that classic Prada statement. I loved that they had shirts that had the Prada emblem on them, but it was a simple silhouette. I love that they also had like sort of like shawls. I can't really determine like what the right wording is, but it's oversized shawls that kind of come around from the come around from the back and over the shoulder that Roth really did um, beautifully and expertly. I feel like Prada had a great look of both high class, but also still that men's street style where that Roth is so no is so well known for, and that expert tailoring that kind of makes something look chaotic yet so simplistic and put together. I think that these were all wonderful collections, but this one in particular shows me that there's a lot that we can expect from the brand, but that also there's just a lot that we still have yet to see with Roth and his um, ability to just touch, make turn, like, turn everything that he touches, turn into gold, like my goodness. Okay guys, so those are all of my selections. There's obviously so many more. 
Um, but please, please, please check out the blogmisfit.com if you want to actually see the clothes. You can also look at some of them. We'll be back ordering. <laughs> I'm saying back ordering, I guess back filling the content on the Blonde Misfit pod so you guys can see a couple of the wares from each collection. Um, you guys may have noticed that I haven't done show reviews this season. There are a couple of reasons for that. One, I am currently working with um, a client or some brands right now. And so I wasn't able to fully commit to doing show reviews as I would, as I would like to, but also I have been contemplating for a while that my platform and the things that I say and the things that I do, do drive awareness and awareness then drives conversions. And so it's really important that you understand the power of your word and your work. I wanted to make sure that I still allowed you all into my world and to still see the fashion show reviews. But there has to come a point also where you realize that, you know, like Tim Blanks or Nicole Phelps or anybody who's going and writing show reviews is getting paid for it. And there's a, a really important factor that I'm going to talk about in, an, in another episode around finances and establishing your worth and being paid adequately for what you're worth. And so just in case that there were any questions around that, nothing is wrong, there is no drama, there is no tea. Okay, so calm down. If all you out there who are like, ooh, tea girl, no, no tea, no tea is brewing, the coffee pot is empty, okay? But I did wanna make that clear. Um, I still absolutely love showcasing all the clothes for you all and I love seeing what's gonna come down the, down the runway and what's gonna be present and, and available to all of us, uh, those of us who can must up a couple of coins <laughs> to buy. But yeah, so those were my thoughts around some of the collections. Those were my thoughts around Fashion Week. I personally hope that we kind of keep this momentum going of keeping things digitally and virtually. I really believe that a lot of people had to step out of their comfort zone and challenge themselves to be more memorable, which really is what fashion should be about. It should be about making an imprint and making and establishing a connection with the consumer and leaving a lasting impression. And I was really surprised by a lot of the, uh, a lot of the clothes and a lot of the collections, more surprised by the step up I felt in diversity, although I am currently waiting on the fashion spot and their breakdown of diversity this season. This is more the thing of like, if you guys did not do diversity this season, then you're just doomed. Because at this point, there's nothing that really constant, like, like you could have gotten people from all over the world, you know, if at this point, if you were shooting, if you were shooting virtually, and you have no excuse. So I will let you guys know what those reports are and what those stats are. But in the meantime, again, make sure that you are subscribed. Make sure that you're on theblondemisfit.com. Make sure you're following us, me at The Blonde Misfit, but also the website at The Blonde Misfit Pod. Check us out on YouTube, The Blonde Misfit, where we'll also be talking about New York Fashion Week. I say New York Fashion Week, but I mean Fashion Week as a whole. Y'all know and everything else as far as fashion, beauty, entrepreneurship, and just being an awkward black girl in the midst of all of it. So yeah, guys, it's been really fun talking to you all. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And if anything else, that you just learned something new about me, about the shows, about fashion month, about anything. If you did, you already know, show some love. And I will talk to you all in the next episode. Stay blessed, stay black, If only if you're black. If you're not black, don't fade the funk. Stay blessed and black, but most of all, stay misfit.